0: Bay, how much would you have paid for that? Permanent joy. What would you exchange for that? What would you let go of if I could really give you something that I already have? Permanent joy. I have it, and I want you to have it. Are you a joyful person? Would those in your life who know you best Say that you are a joyful person. If you were ranked with everyone on the planet, what would your rank be in how joyful you are? Um, You know, celebrities, they're in the spotlight all the time. And uh, I read an article recently that there was an analytical group that studied Celebrities on how happy they were on Twitter, and they released a the list of the top 50 happiest Twitter celebrities. It says here the study was conducted by data scientists at Adorboard over the period January 1st uh, to August 26th of 2015. Uh, all Twitter messages were analyzed using a text analysis methodology for extracting various emotions from any content. The ranking of celebrities was calculated using a score to identify overall what emotions each person expressed in Twitter messages over an eight-month period. They were ranked. Uh, Number one, Harry Styles. Number two, Adele. Number four, Ariana Grande. Uh, Number eight, Jimmy Fallon. Number 11, Oprah. Number 12, Justin Bieber. And they all beat out number 13, the Dalai Lama. (laughs) He came in unlucky number 13 based on his Twitter account alone. Ellen came in at 16. Jennifer Lopez, 17. Shockingly, Simon Cowell, number 18. And uh, Britney Spears, number 19. If you were ranked, how joyful would your family say you are? How joyful would your kids say you are? How joyful would your spouse say you are? We have to ask the question, what is joy? If I'm supposed to find out, how to be a joyful person. I need to know what it is. I would define joy as this. Joy, lasting joy, is a, you can write this down if you want, permanent, supernatural delight found only in Jesus. Permanent, supernatural delight found only in Jesus. It is permanent. It is forever It is unending. It is supernatural. While it is emotional, it does not come from natural causes. It is a delight. It's not a conviction. It is an emotional experience. It's not a thought. It is actually an experience. And it is only found in Jesus Christ. The source of our joy is permanent, but the experience of our joy changes constantly. You see, I can tell you that I have something and it's permanent. Yet, if I look back over this week, I had some medium days this last week. I had one really, really bad day, valley day. And I had one really awesome day, top of the mountain. So in a week with several medium days, one really bad day and one really good day, I can tell you that I had permanent joy through it all because the source is what's permanent the experience of it changes constantly one writer said this joy is the surest sign of the presence of god grimness is not a christian virtue if god really is the center of one's life and being joy is inevitable if we have no joy we have missed the heart of the good news and our bodies as much as our souls will suffer the consequences wow Another author said this, We are chosen for joy. However hard the Christian way, <clears throat> it is both in the traveling and in the goal, the way of joy. A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms, and nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And 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 you think to yourself, always? And then just before you have time to ponder it, what does he say? Again. Again. I'll say it again. Rejoice! Because he knows it's a struggle. How can we find permanent, lasting joy? Check out First Peter chapter one. Go ahead and go to First Peter chapter one. <coughs> In First Peter chapter one. I bet you can guess who the author is. Just shout it out if you know it. Surprisingly, it's actually the Apostle Paul. It's a little known fact. I'm kidding. (laughs) 1 Peter, chapter 1. You have Peter. Uh, Would you say based on the life of Peter throughout what we know of him in Scripture that he was 100% happy all the time? (laughs) Yet he's going to talk to us about I've got three convictions for you this morning that will bring you permanent joy. I'm struggling with a cold too, can you tell? Number one, write this down. I know Jesus will bring me safely to heaven. Do you know that? Do you know Jesus will bring you safely to heaven? It says here, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be what? born again born again let that familiar phrase shock you he wants me to be what born this many maybe you've been born this many but have you been born this many everybody loves baby pictures check this out this is a picture of a baby Hey, if you told me your spiritual story, could you open up your baby book and tell me when you were born again? Could you show me the picture? Could you tell me when it happened? Could you tell me? Hey, raise your hand up if you would say you were born again if you were 10 or under in your life. Raise your hand if you were born again when you were 10 or under. All right, put your hand down. What if you were, were you born again uh, like in your teens, like between 10 and 20? Raise your hand up if you were born again. My hand goes up there. Raise your hand up if you were born again in your 20s. How about in your 30s? How about in your 40s? How about in your 50s? 60s? 70s? 70s, anyone? 80s? 90s? Maybe your hand didn't go up. Do you know if you're born again? Do you know? I'm not asking you if you've been to church. I'm not asking you if you went to religious school. I'm not asking you if you know about the Bible. I'm not asking you if you memorized verses as a kid and got patches. I'm asking when that happened. When you became this kicking, crying, screaming newborn spiritually. When did that happen? If you're foggy on that, you don't have the first conviction that leads to permanent joy. You don't know when you met Jesus Christ as your Savior. I know Jesus will bring me safely to heaven. Maybe you don't have that confidence. What what will give me confidence that I'm going to heaven? Well, it says here, according to his great mercy. Mercy means God meeting you in your misery and having compassion on you. God meeting you in your misery, meaning you're in a horrible place, and he has met you in that place. Well, how could I be in a horrible place when I'm six? No, it's a spiritual mess you're in. Yeah, the longer you go in this life, the more you regret that it took you so long to to trust Christ, am I right? And there is a mess on earth when Jesus meets you the longer you wait. But you have a spiritual mess. And God, because of his great mercy, causes you to be born again. It says to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, so it's a person from the dead write this question down in your bulletin is jesus your living hope is he your living hope what does hope mean uh hope is a pretty sweet word it does not mean this am i going to heaven am i this is not hope this is not hope i asked the guy if he was a christian once hey are you a christian he went like this you're going to do that on judgment day? Are you in or are you out? He lacks hope. Hope is not a wishy-washy thing. Hope biblically is, get this, eager, confident expectation that you have a place in heaven because Jesus is there. That's hope. Your hope comes into your life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that early disciples saw him Rise and ascend to heaven. He's there right now. Jesus is alive in heaven right now. What hope do you have of getting into heaven? Nothing that you've ever done. The only hope, you have a living hope because Jesus is alive there. Jesus told his disciples, I will go and do what? Prepare, well, I'll go and do what? So if you think that what you're doing down here is motivating the construction crew in heaven to build you a house you don't have it figured out there is someone there and he's preparing a place for you furniture's all arranged mailbox bushes you have done nothing to get your place right you'll just show up and there'll be a place there for you and it will have been prepared by someone else and that person is alive is jesus your living hope It's living, it's not dead, it's not futile, it's not speculative because he is alive. The only hope you have of entering heaven is trusting the guy who's already gone there ahead of you. That's it. You're with him or you're not getting in. In Hebrews 6 19 to 20, it says this We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. I love that thought. It's sure, it's steadfast, and it's an anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. What is that? That means heaven. A hope that enters into heaven where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Hey, he's there. Because he's there, you will be there. He is your living hope. My daughter Cassie, when she was much younger, had a big birthday party. Huge birthday party. All our friends slept over. Sleepovers are the best when you're young. And and she had presents on the at the end of this birthday party you know she had friends all over and there was wrapping paper all over the floor and we put a lot of work into making this special so you know you want a little feedback am i right parents you want a little feedback and so i said to my daughter cassie at the end of all this is this your best day ever and she said no and i'm like and then she said no i'm saving that for when i get to heaven that's the idea of hope i haven't had my best day ever yet i'm saving that for when i get to heaven that's hope you're looking forward to something you know is going to happen you're not like i don't know if i'm going to heaven i think steve jobs is the one who said i'm 50 50 on whether i believe in god he's 100 percent now and and if you have this 50 50 mentality i'll find out when i get there that's not hope you're not living with hope And therefore, you will never experience joy in this life that lasts. Because you're missing it. You're missing the living hope. Write this down. Is Jesus your inheritance? It says in verse 4, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope and to an inheritance. And this is all through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Uh, Is Jesus your inheritance when you think of an inheritance, something that you're handed, you're handed, you don't earn it. Something you're handed because of your relationship to someone else. Some things that could be included in that would be property. Uh, some things that would be included uh, could be possessions, money, uh, right? And when you think of an inheritance, you can also inherit a position of power. In the old times, if you were a, you know, the son of a king and the king died, you could inherit his authority, his throne. All of this is bound up in the idea of God handing you an inheritance and when you think of heaven listen it's handed to you it's not yours it's handed to you because you're related to the one who owns it you don't work for it you don't earn it god is never impressed by anything you do for him he never is like get that guy in my kingdom ever he hands you if you don't get this you don't get anything i'm saying today he hands you something you could never deserve it's free And what is heaven like? When you think heaven, what are we supposed to think of? Well, it says here it's imperishable, meaning there's no trace of death, no cemeteries in heaven, amen. No cemeteries in heaven, wow. It also says it's undefiled, which means there is no trace of evil. There is no sin in heaven. You will never sin and neither will anyone else. Sin can't be in heaven. That's why there needs to be a judgment. That's just what you need. The first day of heaven, someone steals your iPhone. (laughs) Well, Why doesn't God let everyone into heaven? Name a sin you would allow in heaven. And it instantly becomes not heaven. You know that. You long for a place that will last forever where there's no sin. You want that. You need that. You were built for that. Yet we try and reason our way into God allowing some sinful people or some sins into heaven and it breaks it. You know better. You know deep down you want a place where there will not be sin, any sin, forever. That's what you want and that's what God is preparing for you. It's undefiled and it's unfading. It will never get old. What are we going to do in heaven all day? Just sit around and sing? Wear a toga with a harp? People who think heaven is boring Do you know what happiness is in this world? Your body fires off a few chemicals to keep you going for five seconds and then it gets old. That's your happiness in this life. You have no clue what permanent happiness is like in heaven. If you think that somehow you just need like the cutest puppies around you for all of eternity and God better make that happen or you're not going to be happy. Happiness in this life, you don't know what God has prepared for you in the next. Bliss without end. Not a trace of age. You'll never get older. All in favor of that. Amen. I turned 40 this year. Funny thing happens when you're about to turn 40. People in their 30s show you the door. Oh, you're turning 40? It's been nice. Well, I'm not out yet. No, you're out. Like I'm contaminated with something called age, and they don't want to catch it. And people in their 40s are like, welcome. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. And they're like, no, come here. You all stay back. If you're 40 and up, I'll get there on my time. No age ever in heaven. You'll never get old. Eternal bliss without end. This is the promise of everlasting life. It says here it's kept in heaven for you. Kept means guarded, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. It's by God's power that this is protected in heaven. Check it out. This is a picture of the tomb of the unknown soldier in the Arlington uh, National Cemetery, and that tomb is always guarded. Right now, there is someone standing guard at it. Uh, in, In two instances recently, there were hurricanes coming through. The soldiers were given the option to abandon their post and seek shelter, and they didn't. They stood there in the hurricane. And that's what God is doing with your heaven right now. He's protecting it. You can't lose it if he's given it to you. He's standing guard over it right now. Hey, do you know Jesus will bring you safely into heaven? If God's son at the cross delivered you because of God's mercy, he has secured a blessing for you that is permanent, and when you understand that you are rescued, you are loved, you are alive, you are assured, you are blessed, and this blessing is shielded by God himself, that gives you joy that is permanent. If you don't have that, you won't have joy that's permanent. You won't find it anywhere else. Number one, I know Jesus will bring me safely to heaven because of what he did at the cross. He is my living hope. He is my inheritance. Number two, jot this down. Second conviction that will bring your life joy. I know Jesus will walk me through every trial. He died on the cross and rose again. He's alive and he's guarding my hope. That's one. But this life is messed up. So how can I get through cancer? How can I get through miscarriage? How can I get through prodigal? How can I get through addiction? Great that he's got the place waiting for me in heaven. What does he have for me on earth? That's what we wonder. What he has for you is himself. He will walk you through every trial. It says here in verse 5, It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That shows you the gap. Like, he's done all this, but it's not yet fully revealed. You're still in the previews okay so there's this tension here he's done all of this but it's not yet fully here in verse six it says in this you rejoice what does that sound like in this you rejoice (laughs) so now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials now what does that sound like grieved what does that sound like that's all in the same verse. It doesn't belong in the same verse, does it? In this you rejoice. You've been grieved by, grieved by various trials. It's like a woo! And that's what the Bible promises you. Woo. That's what you'll get. So that, why? You really want to know why this is, so you can ask me. Go ahead and ask me why. I'm really glad you asked. It says in verse 7, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus will walk you through every trial. We can rejoice in our suffering. We can can process our pain because we know that he's allowing it for a reason. There is a divine purpose for everything I've suffered in this life. And we can rejoice even though we suffer. Those things can go together in your heart. See, this is not the way the world thinks. The way the world thinks, if you're not a Christian, is I'll be happy when everything gets right in my life. When I'm in the right place. When I'm with the right person. When I'm receiving the right treatment. When I have the right things. When my body's in the right shape then I'll be happy. God offers you so much more than that. So much more. When all my dreams come true, then I'll be happy forever. Uh, The Bible offers you joy that can last when all of your fears come true. And that's bigger and that's better than just, I'll make you happy when you've got enough candy in your pocket. God sends trials because there's joy in it in the end. Maybe you're living according to the plan of the world. If everything in the world would just be right, then I'd be happy. Yeah, what God says is, even if everything is going wrong, you can still find permanent joy in Christ. It says in verse 7, the tested genuineness of your faith, which is that's your faith in Christ, your trust in God, should be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. And it should result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jot this down. We learn here that trials are temporary. A trial is a painful event in your life that tests your faith. And it says here that you have been grieved by various trials for a little while. A little while. Everybody go like this. Like this. Right like that. That's how much life you have left to live, okay, compared to eternity. And come on, keep holding it up. And that's how long, if all of your fears come true, you'll have to suffer. It's a little while. It's just a little while compared to eternity. All trials are temporary. The duration of your trial is already set, and the clock is winding down. I don't know what you're suffering, but God has stamped an expiration date on it. There's joy in that. Most of your trials will end in this life. Even if you feel like it won't, most of your trials, I mean, really, what are you still worried about from when you were six? You really ticked about something when you were six, really ticked, and uh, do you still think about those <laughs> trials? Most of your trials in this life will end in this life. Some of your trials will not end until you leave this life, but they will end, all of them. And that's a grace of God. When you know Jesus will walk you through every trial in this life, and then when he takes you home, that is the permanent deletion of every trial. You can have joy in your suffering. Trials are temporary. Jot this down trials are varied. Varied. You've been grieved by various trials. What does that mean? That means he's going to allow more than one. First, this, I was already suffering. And now this? God, don't you know this is too much? They will just keep coming. Trials are varied. They come in a variety of forms. They can be financial, they can be relational, they can be emotional, uh, they can be physical, medical. You will experience a variety of trials in this life. Don't start making a list for God of things that you will not allow Him to permit in your life. Okay? We all make those emotional deals. Have you ever thought, you know, there should really be a list of things that God just never ever allows if he's a good God. Have you ever thought that? Like if God was a good God, he would never allow that thing in the news that I heard to happen ever. How many of you wish that there was kind of that list of like things that you're lying? How many of you wish that there was that list of things that God would never allow even once? Yeah. Uh, I think at the top of that list would be the death of his son. Number one, something God would never allow. And think of what came from that. We don't understand God's plans. He will allow things and he will bring joy through them. Trials are varied and trials are useful. Write that down, they're useful. There is a reason for our trials to grow and test our faith. And our faith is described here as precious. And the testing of our faith will bring a reward. There are some things God can only accomplish through pain. It says here that your faith is more precious than gold, though it will perish. Check this out. This is a video of gold being refined. All of this precious gold. It could be sold for a profit. What are they doing? No, they're burning it. They're melting it. Who would do such a thing? Savages. That's a lot of gold. Why would they destroy it? Because they're purifying it by fire and they're increasing its value through the process of purification. And look, that's what God says he's going to do to your life. He's going to set it on fire. Amen? How many of you feel that you could really use more trials right now than you have because you're disappointed with your, uh, the speed of your spiritual progress? you really want God to grow you this year, ask for more, tri- more suffering and more difficult people to enter your life. Just pray for that, <laughs> and your faith will go- boldly go where it has never gone before. Yeah, don't pray for a lawn chair. Just make it easy, Lord. I just want to rest for a little while. Yeah, then you'll rust. Here's a picture of what comes from that process, gold bars. See? That's what God is doing in your life. He's producing gold, but he has to refine it and purify it and make it more precious by fire. Like gold, faith is refined and purified and made more valuable by fire. But unlike gold, faith is imperishable, which means what's being produced is not going to rust and one day be worthless. It's eternally precious. It's valued by God. So he's doing something that he treasures. I had to ask myself, what makes Christians different? I mean, if everybody has good days and bad days, what makes a Christian different from a non-Christian? Non-Christians have happy days and sad days. Christians have happy days and sad days. We all have bad days and good days. I've got some pictures of bad days and good days. Here's a good day. That's a good day. She just won a little trophy at her princess pumpkin princess contest. That's a good day. Here's a bad day. She's not having a good day. Bad day. This next person is having a good day. He's staying on the bull. That's a good day. He's getting applause. This next person's having a bad day. Maybe that's how you feel like your life is going right now. You're just holding on. This next next one's good day. Good day. Caught a baseball while holding a baby. Next one's a bad day. Bad day. Yikes! We went over and it didn't go the way we planned. Hey, I don't know if you're, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. What makes you, if you're a Christian, different than anything, anybody else? Um, Here's the difference. The world aims to find permanent joy in temporary things and it will never work. If you don't have Christ in your life, you are on a quest to find permanent joy in temporary things and you will never succeed. Not in this life and not in the next life. Because our joy comes from things that last forever, we can never lose it. We can only lose sight of it. This is a huge difference. You could have someone suffering from cancer, two people in the same hospital room, one a Christian, one not a Christian. It seems like they're going through the identical thing, And yet, if that person has Christ in their life, their joy is permanent regardless of what the doctor tells them that day. If it's good news, they rejoice that Christ has brought progress. If it's bad news, they rejoice that Christ has promised this trial will end. It's permanent joy and they experience it in a different way each day. Go to the other hospital bed, the person who doesn't have Christ in their life. If good news comes they feel like it's a good day. But it's not. Because they have no rational, lasting basis for feeling secure because they've just gotten a few more years before they go off to an eternity of misery. The foundation of their happiness is not existent. Here's what I'm telling you. Telling you without Christ... You are living out an existence that involves a permanent lack of joy. You are permanently lacking joy right now. And you experience that permanent lack of joy in different ways every day. Sure, you'll find a glimpse of something that perks you up, but nothing that lasts. And the reason is because you don't have it. You have a permanent lack of joy. And only Jesus can change that. The Christian has permanent joy. The non-Christian has a permanent lack of joy. We are living two completely different lives, even if we're going through the same trial. Everything is different with Jesus. In Psalm 1611, it says of the Lord, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The only permanent joy comes from the abiding presence of Christ in our lives. And that joy will see us through any trial. That joy will see you through any trial you're going through right now. Number one, first conviction, I know Jesus will bring me safely to heaven. Number two, I know Jesus will walk me through every trial. And I have great joy in that. Number three, third conviction that will fill your life with joy, I know Jesus is my source. eternal joy the first point showed us that the end is already written the second point showed us that the process is fully covered and now the third point shows us that it's all about the person it's not about that oh good I'm glad that I have a good home in heaven I'm glad I'm gonna make it through this trial because of the person And if you're just getting through this life trying to get the goodies that Jesus has for you, you don't understand it. I'm excited about heaven because of all the goodies there. No, you should be excited about heaven because of the person, the person. Uh, I'm excited about this trial because it's going to be over one day. No, you're excited about this trial because Jesus is there with you in it. It's the person. If you don't understand the person, if you're just using Jesus as like a piñata, hoping he's going to rain down some goodies from heaven for you and you're looking at the goodies, you don't get it. It is the person. I know Jesus is my source of eternal joy. It says in verse 8, well, it says here first in verse 7, though your faith is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the most glory comes when Jesus returns. It says in verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Get this, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We're not waiting for the joy to arrive. I'm just making it through life, just paying the bills, just raising the kids. You're not just enduring life. You are currently filled now with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Why? Because Jesus is with you. It's all about the person. Hey, is knowing Jesus the greatest joy of your life? Is it? Jesus is the greatest joy of this life. Jesus is the greatest joy of the next life. If you're looking for your joy in things that are perishable you'll never find it ever you'll never find it there it's only in him in john 15 11, jesus said these things i have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full joy is something that he puts in you he gives it to you You'll never find joy at the end of your checklist. I'm going to get everything done. I'm going to make all the money I want and get the dishes done. And the house is going to look amazing. And I'm going to diet. And then at the end of all those things, I'm going to be happy. Eh. You don't find joy there. You find joy at the cross where Jesus saved you. You pick it up there. And then you bring it with you everywhere you go in life. If you don't find it in Jesus, you'll never find it. Jesus is your source of eternal joy. This is written by Peter. And Peter just wrote, you have not seen him, you love him. Is that making you think of anything? Peter is saying, you love him. Do you remember what happened the night Jesus was betrayed? What did Peter scream? What did Peter scream when he was challenged? You're one of his disciples, aren't you? What did he scream? I never knew him! And then what did Jesus ask Peter after the resurrection? Three times he asked him. What did he say? Peter, do you, love me? do you love me? It's not enough for you to go to church. It's not enough for you to give. It's not enough for you to do your best and watch your language when children are around. It's not enough for you to be kind to pets. It's not enough for you to find a charitable cause that you believe in. It's not enough for you to help people who are being overlooked by society. It's not enough. Because at the end, Jesus will say, do you love me? You know the last thing people hear before they go off to hell? I never knew you. It's the relationship that brings the joy. Do you know Jesus? Is he your source of eternal joy? Because the guy here who once screamed, I never knew him, is telling you, you love him. He gets it. He gets it. Pastor Peter is writing to his flock saying you love him even though you have not seen him. Peter saw him and didn't love him in that moment. Ask yourself this, do you believe Jesus? It says here you love him though you do not see him, you believe in him. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe the literal historical truth about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Do you believe that? Um, do you believe that Jesus came down from heaven was born of a virgin, lived the perfect life, was put on trial. Seven times they declared him not guilty. He was innocent, and they still threw him on a cross. On that cross, God put the penalty for your sins, every one of them, on his son. He died your death. He took your sin. He was in your place. What happened to him should happen to you. Do you believe that he took your penalty on him? Then that he was thrown in the tomb, he really died. Do you believe that he physically died? And then on the third day, God raised him to glorious life. Do you believe then after that, that eyewitnesses saw him ascend into heaven, where he's alive right now, and he's king forever? Do you believe that about Jesus? Because if you disagree with anything I just said, you don't believe in Jesus, you believe in something you're creating. You're manufacturing your own truth, and that truth can't save you. Do you believe the truth about Jesus? And for some, you'd say, check. Which makes this next question even more important. Do you love Him? Do you love Him? It's not enough to fill in the blanks with the right answers, there needs to be a relationship. Do you love Jesus? Is there a gratitude? Is there an affection? Is there anything in your heart when you talk about him? Or is it stone cold? Do you never sing about him? Do you never talk about him? Do you never think about him? Do you never thank him? Then you don't love him. We worship Christ because he is God the Son who saved us. If you ran into somebody who dove into a pool and pulled your unconscious body to safety and gave you CPR and saved you when you were eight years old, if you ran into that person, you would feel something. You wouldn't be like, hey. You would feel something. You would say something. And if there's no feelings or thoughts toward Jesus, then he didn't save you yet. Hey, has your life been empty of joy? Do you wish you could just be happy in a way that lasts beyond a good meal? Is your life instead filled with fear, constant anxiety, crippling depression, or just anger over everything that's happened to you? Or are you just chasing down one foolish pleasure after another, one high after another that will soon demand more than you can give do you have joy because i have it and i want you to have it i have it and it's permanent and if anybody took it from me and listed it on ebay i would trade everything in my life to get it back i would let go of everything to get jesus back all of it can the same be said of you Faith in Jesus leads to love for Jesus, which generates inexpressible joy that is filled with glory. It's filled with glory, which means you are lit up with the light of eternity. This joy only comes through faith in Christ. Hey, I want to offer you this joy this morning because some of you didn't walk in here with it. Some of you are not saved. I want to offer you a joy that can become a permanent fixture in your heart, a fountain that bubbles over a joy that you will experience in a million different ways. I want to call you out of a life where you are living out joylessness in a million ways. And I want to call you to a life where you can follow and find in Jesus permanent joy, a permanent, lasting reason to be upbeat, optimistic, and hopeful, no matter what comes, past, present, and future. I'm offering that to you right now, and I'm offering it to you for free. We've had people in our church over the last two years who have found this joy. Hey, if you have been saved within the last two years, I want you to stand up right now to show that this has happened in your life very recently. Very recently. Hey, if Stay standing. If you've been saved in the last five years. These are people who said, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. And I want it. And I want it now. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you're like, I'm missing it. I am totally missing it. And I want it. And I want it now. Is that you? Do you not have it? Do you not have it? And you want it. You don't have Christ in your life and you want it. I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment to find it. I want you guys to stay standing. You're a testimony to people who are sitting around you, people who don't have what you don't have, what you didn't have just so recently. These people are going to stay standing. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up if you say, Today is the day, right here is the day when I, in response to what I heard in the Bible, will reach out and take hold of that free gift, the joy that is inexpressible, permanent joy, because Christ is with me. Let's close our eyes and let's bow our heads. And if you're standing, please stay standing. You're showing people around you what they're missing. And right now, as people are reflecting on what they just heard, I know that God is tapping people on the shoulder right now, saying, you need my son. All the pain in your life has been God's way of saying one thing to you over and over and over again. You need my son. This pain has showed you that God is absent. But he's inviting you right now He's inviting you right now to accept what His Son can offer you. The Bible says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, which means today God is looking and expecting you to respond. People aren't looking around. There's eyes closed. There's heads bowed. But I do want to give you the chance right now. If you know that it's been too long and you want the joy That only Christ can bring you, I want you to stand up right now. Thank you. Thank you. This is your chance. This is your chance right now. Just stand up, just stand up and show God that you want this. This is your chance right now. You're surrounded by people who have admitted the very same thing you are admitting right now. I don't have it. Just stand up. Stand up right now and show God that you want what He is offering you. Let go of your worries. Who cares what people think of you? Who cares what people think of you? Care about what God thinks about you. You didn't miss it. This is your chance right here. This is your chance. I have permanent joy and I'm offering it to you for free right now. Just stand up. Just stand up and show God you want this. I'd love to pray with those of you who are standing right now. If you're sitting, you can pray along with me. Those of you who just stood up, I would love for you to pray this with me out loud. Father in heaven, go ahead and say that. Father in heaven, forgive me for my sins. I have gone too long without you. Say it. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I ask for permanent joy. Father, I pray for all of those who lifted their voices to you right now. You heard them. You saw them. You received them into your kingdom. I pray that you would give them the joy that you have promised them. And I pray that just as you promised that no one would take their joy away. Jesus, fill them with a joy that is inexpressible. Fill them right now with a joy that transcends all their circumstances. Show them that you are with them now. You will never leave them. You will never forsake them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them confidence that they will go to heaven, that you are with them in their suffering, and that it is all found in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, O oh Lord, for saving us by your powerful grace. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand, let's sing together.